At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Welcome to the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. We're here at South Point Casino in fabulous Las Vegas as we're just 48 hours away from the NFL draft. Going to be held right here in our fair city. Uh, Wes, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the draft here in hour number two. Soren Petro is going to join us uh, to kind of break down what the Chiefs might be doing as they look ahead to the draft. Because now you start to look at the, the, the way that's going to stack up. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a run on receivers. And once you trade away Tyreek Hill, and with all the added picks that they have, you have to think that they're in play for a wide receiver. And very quickly, before we get to the NBA, I kind of look at what the Vikings did. They kind of set the template for this. And when they traded away Steph Diggs a couple years ago to the Buffalo Bills for a first-round pick, everybody said, well, what are are you doing? They went, well, we didn't want to pay Stephon Diggs, who then became the highest-paid wide receiver in the history of the NFL at the time with the Bills. And they went ahead and drafted Justin Jefferson. And it worked out. Right. Right. Because then they get that fifth year control that they didn't yeah. have over Steph Diggs. This feels like the new template now in the NFL. And with all these runs on receivers, do you get the feeling that that's exactly what they're going to try to do to try to reset the market after what Christian Kirk and his agent did by getting a mega deal yeah. for a guy that people didn't really see it, see it coming? I do because, it's, I mean, it is all about money and it's all about control for that extra year. Look, there's a lot of big names out there. I know they're a little bit older, but still, you know, late 20s, early 30s, not ready for the retirement home quite yet. <laughs> There's a lot of big-name free agent wide receivers out there. Right. Odell Beckham, I know he's coming off an injury. Julio Jones, T.Y. Hilton, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of guys out there, but those guys are going to command because of the tenure they have in the league, respectively. They're going to command usually a lot more money unless they elect to really take a discount. So, yeah, you want to get – you want to be homegrown, so to speak, and grow your own talent and be able to get them on that rookie deal, control for the extra year before they get out there and get the big free agent money. It's absolutely amazing to see that that's the way. And I, I do go back to that deal a few years back, and that kind of set it set the new market trend. And then went, wait, this actually worked out for Minnesota. And, okay, Justin Jefferson, Steph Diggs, take your pick. But they have control. It was a much more – financially uh, advantageous situation for the team. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the role now when you get these big time guys and look, we're going to talk about Diva Samuel. We're seeing it in San Francisco where all of a sudden the team's go, "Mm, I don't know if I want to pay you what you think you should be paid. So therefore we might trade you get picks back in return and then go see and roll the dice in the draft. We can get somebody that might be, if not your comp, at least close to the, the level of productivity that you've brought to the team. Yeah, exactly. This isn't like a luxury tax deal, no. you know, where you can just go over it and pay premiums for every guy that thinks that he deserves a premium. So that's why I think you see that. And plus, look, it's a passing league that's now. Right. And the, le- the the rules are still restrictive, I think, against the defenses. Maybe not as pronounced as it was a few <laughs> years ago because everything kind of catches up and evens out over time. But, you know, with the defensive holding and Man. the pass interferences and a lot of flag-happy officiating crews, it obviously benefits the offense. So more premium on wide receivers. So, again, we're going to have 48 hours to go before we get to the NFL draft. We'll talk much more about this throughout the next two hours. But. You know, just talked to, to Gil Alexander on the way in as we are doing our crossover, and I said, you know, how many wagers do you have on the, the NFL draft? He's like, I got about 13, 14, like them all, except for one. He's not crazy but one. But he does have the good number. He got plus value at over six receivers in the first round. Obviously, do the math. Got to get to seven. Do mm-hmm. you think he gets to seven and catches that ticket? Because I feel like he's sitting in a pretty good spot. There I, th- I think if you have the five and a half, that's a great number. I think six would probably be the right number and then maybe slightly juice to the over. Mm-hmm. When it gets to six and a half, and I noticed that over the last couple of days, a little bit juice to the under, maybe 115, 120, depending on your store. So, uh, you know, there it is right there at BetMGM, even split minus 115, both on the over and the under. So I think that that's about the right number. 
what really determines those obviously are the end of the first round and you have some teams maybe trading out and trading up do they want to trade up and grab corner mm. do they want to trade up and grab a quarterback do they there's always a position that kind of gets a little run at the end of the first round so i think you'll see the first run on receivers probably goes in like the teens there'll probably be one guy at least drafted in the top 10 maybe it's going to be garrett wilson mm. maybe it's going to be drake london out of usc and then going forward and then you get that big run and then you're kind of sweating it out till the end of the round. I am stunned when I see it's up to three and a half quarterbacks. Now, again, it's juiced to the under minus 250. You can understand why. When this opened, it was two and a half. And now we're at three and a half. Are four quarterbacks going to go in the first round of this draft? God, that's, I mean, that's, that's so just... hard. That's so hard for me to see. And we'll get to that later in the show when we're going to talk about a couple quarterbacks that are not Kenny Pickett, nor Malik Willis, right. and we'll get to that and really evaluate Ooh. their chances of potentially going in the first round. All right, so much more NFL draft talk. I am fascinated by it. The numbers keep moving. The players keep moving. Aiden Hutchinson, 48 hours ago, was the consensus number one. Maybe that's not the case today. We'll talk much more about that, but we do have to do the aftermath of what we saw last night. Boy, if you had the Celtics and you had them sweeping the Brooklyn Nets in four, congratulations. Wes didn't see that coming at all. And yet it is done. And then it did have that kind of, look. I know the Nets got back into it late last night and made it a one-point game at one point. Uh, but the, the C's hold on to that 116-112 uh, win. They do get the sweep. And uh, that ticket did cash, of course, because uh, Boston was getting a point, point and a half, once it actually went to tip. And the over did cash at 222. Before we go ahead to the season, what we believe will be the Bucks. Sorry, Chicago. And that looks like a great series. What do you make of what we just saw with Brooklyn? Well, I'm trying to kind of put this in the context here because we're all doing the poor mortem now on the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> that everybody loved this team and they disappointed here. So it's like, okay, do we want to put them permanently in the grave, so to speak? And I'm not so sure about that. And look, I wasn't high necessarily on the Nets all year. I just thought too much tumult. You've got a coach and Steve Nash that look is learning how to coach. I mean, this is not a guy that like paid his dues and was an assistant for 10 or 15 years and then finally works his way to the head coaching job. You obviously have uh, two primary stars with very mercurial personalities, uh, I would say, good way to put it. in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And uh, you really saw, I think, the difference in this series was the fact that the Nets don't have an elite rim protector and they don't have a guy that's a really good defender against opposing wings. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, looking for a guy that could be a wing defender. I'm scratching my head and coming up <laughs> empty, Dave. Uh, maybe a guy uh, like a Ben Simmons. Oh, Ben Simmons. Like a Ben Simmons, Heard per se. Guy. Maybe he could be good for this team in terms of uh, defending on the wing. A guy that's been a two-time all-defensive uh, first-team player in the NBA. But when you look at this series, and we always evaluate because we get so results-oriented. Okay, right. this was a 4-0 sweep for Boston. I got my minus 140 there on the Celtics for the series. But not all sweeps are created equal because if you look at these games, they were decided by one, seven, six, and four points. So right. this was a close 4 nothing series. I think Boston was just a little bit better. And it really materialized in terms of all the stats, in terms of, like, the field goals, the rebounding, I think, Boston pretty yes. much had the rebounding edge throughout the entire series. And that's where you see the Nets really have a void as having like an elite rim protector at the five. And I do think that they need that. But I found this statistical anomaly, Dave. I believe this is the first time this has ever happened in the NBA playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets actually had a higher effective field goal percentage. 57.7% to Boston's 56.2%. A higher effective field goal percentage. I believe that is the first time a team that has been swept in the NBA playoffs wow. has a higher effective field goal percentage than the opponents. So this tells you the Celtics swept 4-0. It was a plus 18 in terms of the points over four games, plus 22 rebounds, plus nine, uh, nine less turnovers. So this was a closer series than meets the eye. And that's why I'm not willing necessarily to uh, totally dig the Brooklyn Nets grave here because look, a lot of times when you put these super teams in this super team era together, it doesn't work out the first year. And it's probably not the best comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of 2010 Miami. Now, keep yeah. in mind, in 2011 in the NBA Finals, they did make the finals. That's they right. lost to the Dallas Mavericks in six games. But so this team gets beat in the first round. So it's not a total light comparison here. But nevertheless, you get superstars on a team. And it takes a little bit of time. And I think the whole Simmons distraction, the fact that Boy. you traded James Harden, 
in the middle of the season. You didn't even know if he was going to suit up in the second half of the season. It had reached such an impasse up there in Brooklyn. You have pretty much a rookie head coach. I was watching on uh, Saturday night for game three, and it felt like Mary J. Blige, who was sitting courtside, was doing more coaching than Steve Nash. Oh, wow. She was shouting out instructions to Kyrie and Gatie and all these guys. Mary and, J. Blige, and, and, was, you're not, and you're not going to cross Mary J. No, if you've she, listened to some of her she tells you to play defense, years, you play you defense. Better, you better do it. You don't want to cross her. Or you're going to be in song. You're going to be in uh, the next. Not going to cry. <laughs> you know, I, I, my takeaway of it, and look. You know, we both sat here when we saw the numbers come out for the, for this series before it began, and we saw, wow, Brooklyn's favored. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they were favored to win the series, and then quickly swung, and then Boston became the favorite as you gobbled, gobbled up that good number. And really, yes, they were close games, but they just they they figured out a way to close each one of these out. My biggest takeaway was Kevin Durant would not have been the superstar he is today in the '80s because boy, oh boy, you get inside and you start f- being physical with him. Mm-hmm. That was a different Kevin Durant we saw in the series. I know the big takeaway is always going to be Kyrie, and we didn't see Ben Simmons out there, and those are uh, storylines that should be told. We understand that. But really, Kevin Durant was not himself. No. And the physicality of Boston proved that that was a problem for him. He's a seven-footer, and normally we don't see that for seven-footers get bothered by guys that are a little bit smaller than he was. They played physical with Kevin Durant, and he did not like it, and it showed yeah. in his numbers. And look, when you're a superstar in this league, you've got to take the criticism. you got to take it a no little doubt. bit. So, yeah, you know, he didn't show up, and he showed up, but he just didn't it give his usual guy. standard. Right. No, not at all. So, you know, the Brooklyn Nets, it'll be interesting when we get prices out for next year. I'm sure they'll be one of the top three or four choices they in the betting be. market. You know, everybody's kind of digging the grade. Now, next year might be when I'm more interested in the Brooklyn Nets, depending on what they do, if they keep that first-round pick or if they let Philadelphia keep it. Uh, I believe June 1st is the deadline to determine that. But they do need a rim protector because they got absolutely beat up at the rim. And Al Horford, the adult in the room for there the Boston is. Celtics, Smart and all these guys will get the accolades, but Al Horford was the key to that series. Much, much more NBA talk here, and we'll break down some games going on tonight as we move on to the NBA postseason. Come on back, it's the Lombardi line right here on these and these sports betting now. Time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 522 4,700. Back here in the Lombardi line, Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. And Wes, I did want to get to a couple of the other games last night. And one is one that you and I talked about Sunday on VEASAN betting across America, and that was the Toronto Raptors. And we said even when the Sixers were up 3-0, I thought, oh, boy, you, you feel like it's over. Okay, you lose game four. Here comes the gentleman sweep. We'll get him in five in Philly. And then I start to remember the great Doc Rivers is at the helm, and I'm like, boy, <laughs> th- he's got a history here, and now it's 3-2. And really, Toronto kind of led this one pillar to post last night in the city of Brotherly Show. Pillar to post. I love the pro wrestling term. Thank <laughs> I, you very much. I thought you'd like that. 103-88 to is the final there. Uh, Philly's offense just never got on track as uh, Philadelphia now finds themselves in a situation they're going to go back to the sixth year. They were nine-point favorites. My goodness, never got close, and the under was an easy cash as well. Would you worry now? Because, like, to me, if you're Doc and you're Joel and really James Harden, where have you been? Mm -hmm. I got to go, I don't want to get to a game seven. What type of effort do you expect in game six? Because Pascal Siakam and company, they have picked up the pace. Yeah, this was a... 
This was the three nothing uh, Raptors being down. Then it was open the door, get on the floor. Everybody walked the dinosaur. <laughs> now they have won two in a row. Little was not was yeah, there for you. Late wow. 1980s hit. But uh, anyway, now three to two. And look, they won without Fred Van Vliet was out with the uh, hip injury last night. And everybody mm -hmm. kind of stepped up. And we were waiting to see if some of the other Toronto Raptors could finally make some shots. Look, Pascal Siakam last night, 10 of 17, 23 and 10. Uh, mm -hmm. Ananobi, not the best shooting night, 7 of 15. Scotty Barnes. This is a guy that, look, re-injured his, uh, his knee, I believe, or re-injured his ankle, rather, in game four and had to, you know, they put him in the game, then he had to go back out of the game. And then you look, he went 41 minutes last night, right. 12 points and eight rebounds, you know, when they absolutely had to have him. So uh, Precious Achua, I think, has been a nice guy yeah. off the bench, uh, 17 points in 27 minutes. And this is a series when you really look inside the numbers, and uh, actually I just met him uh, coming in and out of the show in the changeover. Jeff Fogle, at Jeff Fogle on Twitter, who does a nice job kind of giving summaries of the numbers of the games. You know, okay, this team won three-point shooting, this team won two-point shooting, this team won turnovers, rebounds, and what. And he, calcul he calculates pace for these games. Mm. And if you look at these uh, series, Philadelphia in the games they have won, uh, in their three games, the pace ratings were 90.9, 89.5, and 85.7. Both all slower-paced games in those three. Toronto in the two games they won 93.8 98.3 mm. now pace does not always equal over necessarily no. nor equal under so you got to put that into context but it shows you Toronto as you said picking up the pace have been a lot better you know kind of getting it in an open floor because it would have thought oh my god this is death against Philadelphia because they've been so good with this starting lineup so uh you did uh, see Danny Green still stuck in the starting lineup. They did not put Thibault back in. Thibault only went 14 minutes last night. He's right. been a virtual non-factor, really, in this series. Embiid, you got to be a little bit concerned yep. about the thumb, even though he did go 40 minutes last night, but only 20 and 11, uh, which is are down numbers by Embiid's standards. So, yeah, this series, I think if you're Philadelphia – you got to worry a little bit. I don't think it's like DEFCON 5 yet. But, but it's, it's but, on the but, radar. Yeah, you got to worry a little bit because, you know, you don't want to take these guys for granted because all of a sudden if you give a team belief, sometimes belief is enough for, for a team like Toronto. That game, by the way, will not be until Thursday. Philadelphia right now, one and a half, yep. 209 and a half. And you've seen this total dramatically decline throughout the series. I, I think – I think game one, I want to say it opened like 214 or 215 because it went way over. Right. I think it was like 242, 131 to 111, and game one was the final score. And then you started to see this slowly dip, you know, 213, 212 and a half. I think the last night was uh, 210 and a half, and now down as low as 209 in the marketplace. Uh, again, you do the the combination there. It was only 191 points scored here, 103.88. So the Raptors having their way in the last, well, certainly in this game, uh, which was really surprising that it was back in Philadelphia and they won with relative ease. Going to go back up Thursday night, as you mentioned here, about a point and a half favorite right now for Philadelphia. Utah. Oh, my goodness. 77 pints. Not even points. Pints <laughs> last night for the Jazz. I, I mean, that's as embarrassing a performance as you're going to see in a pivotal game five. And now they are down three games to two to the Mavs. So the Mavs easily cashed that ticket if you had them laying the three and the under never really in doubt when Utah just didn't show up for the party, uh, 212 and a half. Going forward here, yeah. is this more about, okay, Luca's back, Dallas is back, or is this still an indictment on what we've seen for the Jazz kind of throughout this entire series so far? Yeah, I'll admit I got this one way wrong last night. I was I on the Utah Jazz plus three. I don't know how you three, so, uh, that performance. I got, I got shamed a little bit by a couple <laughs> of the uh, Twitterati this morning. Like, nice pick. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I, I got it wrong. I liked Utah last night. Uh, the game, I think, should have probably played a little bit closer than the final score indicated. Dallas deserved to win the game. But when you go three of 30, from three-point range, the Utah Jazz. They got a lot of clean looks last night. Yeah. They just didn't make them. And, you you know, this team going forward, I think we've talked about it before, this is not going to be the same Utah Jazz team we, we, we see in 2022, 2023. Uh, one of Rudy Gobert and or Donovan Mitchell have to go. Yep. Because I don't think that they can stay together. I, I think they've kind of reached the point of no return here. You look, the pace was relatively slow, 90.9. It's been pretty much what it was the whole series, uh, 102 to 77. And I think 
I saw this get a little bit bet to the over, at least early on yesterday, and then some late money on the under, because I think it's like, okay, we've got Luka Doncic back, so the scoring's going to increase. Mm. Well, what it does, it does kind of slow the tempo a little bit, because Luka Doncic is pretty ball dominant. That's right. And, you know, what Dallas likes to do, they like to spread the floor. It's not like they have really an elite post guy that can score at the rim at will. And plus you have Rudy Gobert down there who can defend at the rim is still one of the best in the league at doing that. Mm -hmm. But one of that was, that was a putrid look from the Utah jazz last night, nevertheless. But I almost would want to kind of look their way a little bit in game six. And we've already had a flip of favorites too. I think the, Consensus opener, as I'm seeing on my screen here, minus one and a half Utah. You are now seeing minus one and a half at BetMGM and a lot of other spots in the market on the Dallas Mavericks. And I can kind of understand that. And maybe that's some guys just grabbing numbers mm -hmm. a little bit saying, okay, we know that's going to get bet. And plus the fact that Donovan Mitchell did leave with, with the uh, hamstring injury. So he is currently listed as questionable. Well, that's probably the major reason for the move, even though Donovan Mitchell hasn't been much to write home about really defensively all series long. No, he hasn't. And again, you know, it's interesting in the Philadelphia series, which is also three games to two, you, you saw that Joel Embiid said, James Harden's got to be more aggressive. Like, I actually think that's a good thing that you can have that public conversation. These guys, they don't talk about each other because they don't like each other. Yeah. Like, you're not going to hear Rudy Gobert say, hey, Donovan Mitchell needs to be better, right? Because Donovan Mitchell mm -hmm. then would become an issue. These guys are not communicating, and it shows on the floor. Like, you can actually see this team kind of crumbling yeah. before your eyes. When you put on an effort like that with 77 points. I don't know. Maybe when a, when a guy uh, spreads a disease to you, uh, that tends to cause some tension between two men. Kind of can linger a little bit yes. there. And it's clearly lingered in Utah. And you have to think, to your point, this is going to be broken up at the end of the year if this doesn't turn around. But it just doesn't feel like it is. So, again, right now, Dallas – now the one-point favorite we're seeing uh, in that game six coming up on Thursday night uh, in Utah. Boy, you know, in game four, they were booing the home faithful there. And I don't think I'd ever heard that before at Utah. Yeah, that's one of the great fan bases in the league. They so, don't boo? Now, yeah, that surprises me. But you got to think that whatever happens – if they win the series or not, I don't think they're going any further than that. If even if they get out of the first round here, but this is going to be broken up. One of those guys, Gobert and Mitchell are going to be gone. Perhaps Quinn Snyder is going to be mm. gone, maybe taking another coaching job, but it just seems like Utah has kind of hit the wall in terms of how far they can go. Now, this is still, even though it doesn't look it based on what we saw last night, you know, when you see such a game five blowout, everybody kind of wants to follow suit and say, okay, they're going to close it in six. Initial lean would be to Utah, but I have not yet bet this game, so I'm going to wait to see what Mitchell's status is going to be. All right, so we do have three other games that we'll get to in depth here in the next hour. We're going to have Will Hill join us uh, at the end of this hour as well. We'll talk more about that, but we do have the Hawks, and Heat could be the gentleman sweep tonight if Miami can end that series. They're up three games to one. They're going to have the opportunity to do that on their home court. And then later we got the T-Wolves and the Grizzlies. That series tied up at two. This could be a very interesting matchup tonight. Minnesota taking a little bit of money that's been knocked down to six right now. Open up at seven. Who would have thought that these two uh, Western Conference series that are going to be played tonight, that's going to be Minnesota, Memphis, New Orleans, and Phoenix are the nightcap tonight. Who would have thought that those these two series would be the best two series in the first round? One versus eight, wow. two versus seven in the West, but they have been absolutely entertaining, and we'll get to those throughout the program. Absolutely. The Pellies right now getting six and a half in Phoenix, but again, no Devin Booker once again, which is proven to be problematic. When we come back, we will talk more NFL draft. Who's going number one? We thought we knew. Do we know? We'll figure it out. Come on back. It's the Lombardi line right here in Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. Spring special is here. For only $59, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil is going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continuing our best bets in premium articles, including golf, UFC, 
Yeah, USFL and NASCAR. If you want the full VEASAN experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it, the cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at VEASAN.com slash spring. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi line. Did you did Jeff Parles get on you about one of your song he references? He did, actually. Well, he what did he texted say? me and said that Walk the Dinosaur has to be one of the worst 10 songs ever made. And worst I, I, 10 songs yeah. ever made? I, I told this little millennial to yeah. bite his tongue yeah. here. That was a banger in 1998 from Was Not Was. Thank you very much, sir. Good thing he's a Mets fan or else I'd get on him a little bit harder. <laughs> uh, let's get to the NFL draft, as we mentioned, 48 hours away now, Wes, here in fabulous Las Vegas. And Aiden Hutchinson, it was signed, sealed, and delivered when you and I did the shows this weekend. He's going to be the number one pick. Jacksonville Jaguars, that's what they're going to do. We heard Trent Balke say some interesting things, and we talked about it a lot this weekend. Nobody's calling me. I wonder now, are these smoke screens? Because now Trevon Walker mm -hmm. is the favorite to go number one overall, and uh, we're seeing that now. At over $2. That's how much the market has shifted here in the last 48 hours. We started to see some gradual movement on Walker, I think, over the last week, week and a half. Like, small movement. Yeah. Nothing as drastic as, Whoa. obviously, that we saw yesterday, where he's now minus two and a quarter is the favorite. But... I think the more people like talked about Hutchinson, he got tagged with the safe pick moniker yeah. that like, oh, we love his motor or whatnot. And that's like the translation for we don't think he's athletic as the other guys. And then I think people started to work, look at, at Walker because he led the team in quarterback hurries, that Georgia Bulldog defense that was, you know, one of the best defenses in like the last decade, at least right. in college football, 36 quarterback hurries did tie for the lead, only had six sacks, but Keep in mind, as you're looking at all of these mock drafts, there's a guy by the name of Jermaine Johnson, the second oh, out of Florida State, yeah. who transferred to Florida State because he couldn't beat out a guy like Trayvon Walker <laughs> and to get more playing time. And Johnson may be as high as a top 10 pick in this draft. So right. it's like, well, if this guy's a top 10 pick and he couldn't beat out this guy, maybe this guy's pretty good. So you look, and I'm not necessarily surprised. You could kind of see it coming. I don't know if I saw it as pronounced as a move as we saw yesterday, but that's how fast wow. draft markets can move because now everybody has them up because there are a lot of books that were waiting until Monday, especially here in Las Vegas to go ahead and put these up. And then they're going to take them down Wednesday night because of the gaming rule. They got to take them down 24 hours before the draft starts. So you basically got a day and a half to get your draft bets in if you have not done so here in Las Vegas. But anyway, back to Trayvon Walker. I think when you look at it, they're going on on the athleticism and on the talent, and they're going on potential because there's always that debate, Dave, do you draft on potential or do you draft on production? And I think clearly this is a little bit more potential than production, not that Walker wasn't productive, but he was also playing with the you know other guys that are probably going to go in the first round like N'Kobe Dean right. and you know guys that are either going to be current first rounders or maybe – future first rounders for next year or two years down the line. Uh, Kirby Smart's got some dudes down there in Athens as they try to defend that national championship. You know, it's interesting, and I, I hope you listen and, and watch uh, me and, and Mike Pritchard here every Wednesday on the Lombardi line because Pritchard said last week was something I found very interesting. The game is now played on the edges, mm -hmm. right? So, look, offensive tackles, you, you need all those guys. We're not disparaging some of the other positions. But this is his point about the edge rushers here and wide receivers, right? It's kind of played on the edges, a little bit played on the outside. You got to get the quarterback. Quarterback's got to get the football out, and you got to live in space. And that's where edge, rusher, uh, edge rushers live. When you see these top two, you got to think now, if Aiden Hutchinson goes two, and right now he is the small favorite to be the second overall pick, minus $1.15, the report is the line's going to run up to the commissioner and put that pick in if it's Aiden Hutchinson. And so this feels like that would be the mini end of the edge rushers right. at one and two. Well, right? because Houston's going to be interesting. That's because right. Because I think that, and we talked about that with Eric Edholm of uh, Yahoo Sports on Sunday, and he's like, this is the most interesting team in the upper part of the draft that nobody's talking about because I believe they have three and 13. So you look... You've been hearing that Lovey Smith kind of likes the corners in this draft, and that those are all the only couple draft bets I have. I don't have near as many as a lot of guys do on the network. It's just I don't really delve as much into draft betting maybe as they do, mm -hmm. but I have been betting the corners, and I followed the lead on a lot of these corner props under Sauce Gardner under or uh, Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU, sure. him on the under here. So, you know, 
there's a talk that Lovey Smith may draft one of those. And that was my logic a couple of week, uh, weeks ago where I felt like a fool where it's like, I think Kayvon Thibodeau may go over five and a half. And clearly the money has been on the under and most of the action has been on the under because I thought, okay, Texans grab corner. Are the Jets going to grab edge or are they going to give some help to Zach Wilson? Because I thought maybe Garrett Wilson could go high at number four there and then offensive line could get drafted. And then, of course, you get down to number six with Carolina. So we shall see. But I think Jacksonville, maybe Trent Balky was sending out a smoke screen mm-hmm. there where it's like, okay, we've got our guy targeted. And even if they didn't, every general manager is going to say we got our guy. They're not going to make the stake, mistake that Herb made last year no. where it's like, well, we kind of wanted Kadarius Tony, but he got drafted. So we settled for Travis Etienne. <laughs> Basically, I'm paraphrasing. And it is amazing when you look at that draft board and you see multiple teams with multiple picks that does give those teams flexibility. Right. For these positions that we're talking about. So, like, I know you're starting at home probably thinking, well, how do we get to seven wide receivers? Well, once the run starts and this is what we mean by these mini runs. Mm -hmm. Right. We're expecting now at edge to be one and two. When those corners go, those top two corners. Right. Probably going to go in the top ten, arguably. Well, there's four of your six spots right there. And no quarterbacks have been selected under this mock scenario that we have here. So then you have to think about teams that are in play. And some of those teams with multiple picks, if a team gets jumpy and they want to get a quarterback, whoever that might be, Malik Malik Willis, maybe we're guessing with the first quarterback taken, that's when those phone calls happen. And they go, hey, we want to trade up because you've got multiple picks anyway, so you can just move on back down, still get your, you know, X wide receiver or, or offensive tackle or whatever it might be, best available at that spot, and we'll jump up for the quarterback. It's when the first trade happens or the first quarterback gets selected. I think that's when this draft really goes into chaotic mode. And Wes, it feels like it's going to be chaos on Thursday. No, I I agree. I don't know if we're going to see as many of the projected trades at the top of the draft as we are, I think, as we get into like the back half of the top 10 or maybe even 11 through 20. That's, I think, we're going we're gonna to see most of the trades in this draft. And uh, another thing, I talk about the cliche that you always hear in the draft, we got our guy. Yeah. There's also another cliche. We stay true to our board and whatnot because everybody's board is going to be different. I got a guy number seven that you got at number 16. So not everybody values guys and grades out guys the same way, and, and that's what's going to determine uh, – I look, though, at the top of this draft, and I don't think there's a guy that's like, oh, if you miss on him, you're getting fired in two years. Okay. Like, I don't see that necessarily in this draft. That's why we've had four different guys go, you know, potentially the favorite in the betting odds is right. the number one pick. What do we have? Evan Neal. Then we had Hutchinson. We had Thibodeau, or not Thibodeau, uh, uh, Walker. We had somebody, obviously, before Evan Neal. That's how quick it changes. So there's not been one clear number one like we usually have, where it's usually a quarterback. There's no or it's consensus. Usually, yeah. You know, an offensive tackle or or an edge rusher, somebody that's like clearly above the rest of the draft pool, where everybody pretty much has that player number one on his board. You mentioned Lovey Smith, and we know Lovey. If you know his background, you know it's defense. And you mentioned the corners. The odds that uh, Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, is the is the third pick overall is plus $3. But what what the interesting thing there is, the dominoes, right? If Walker goes one, then obviously he's off this board at plus 350. Then you're hearing like Derek Stingley Jr. Is Stingley as good as Sauce Gardner? Because there are some GMs that seem to like, and well, if you're going corner, it's got to be one of those two corners, either Stingley Jr. You or know, Gardner. A lot of that is about the injuries, and that's why Stingley kind of dropped off. Remember how good he was in 2019? Oh, he was almost like LSU's champ Bailey. They didn't want to throw really at was. him when they won the national title, and then he's battled injuries, but then he had his pro day and ran really well and looked very good in his workout, and it's like, okay, maybe those questions have been put to bed a little bit on Stingley Jr., but Gardner has been the guy, if they want to go maybe with the more recent production, you know, production versus potential, then they're going to maybe go with Gardner at that spot. Oh, I've seen Thibodeau there at number three, and he could go there in some mocks. And I hate to even say this because I don't know, but that gets put out there about, oh, is there character issues? You know, does this guy really oh, want to play? We're hearing does a lot he of bring that. it necessarily every snap? And won't that get out there, you know? it kind of becomes a perception perception maybe becomes reality to some of these teams. And with the team like Houston uh, with uh, Easterby and that company, you know, they've made a lot of players mad in terms of, you know, how they've conducted business. Does Houston seem like the team that wants to take somebody that potentially has those issues? I say potentially quote unquote covering my butt here. Don't want to put anything out there. It's not true, No, but 
that's where I think maybe Thibodeau slips under number three and you get one of the corners. Here. And again, it's not just uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. There's also reports about that. We'll get into it about Matt Corral later on in the program as well. Come on back. Will Hill will join us next on the other side. It's the Lombardi line on these and these sports betting network. The VEASAN Spring Special is here. For only $59, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of July. The next few months are going to be filled with the best betting content in the business right here at VEASAN.com. And subscribers will have access to all of it, including Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have best bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Andy McNeil is going to break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We're going to have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well, not to mention continuing our best bets and premium articles including golf ufc yeah usfl and nascar if you want the full vcent experience which features a daily best bets email every edition of point spread weekly use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it the cost is only 59 dollars to be a subscriber through july 31st sign up now at vcent.com slash spring Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi line. Did you did Jeff Parles get on you about one of your song he references? He did, actually. Well, he what did texted he me and said that Walk the Dinosaur has to be one of the worst 10 songs ever made. And worst I, I, 10 songs yeah. ever made? I, I told this little millennial to yeah. bite his tongue yeah. here. That was a banger in 1998 from Was Not Was. Thank you very much, sir. Good thing he's a Mets fan or else I'd get on him a little bit harder. <laughs> uh, let's get to the NFL draft, as we mentioned, 48 hours away now, Wes, here in fabulous Las Vegas. And Aiden Hutchinson, it was signed, sealed, and delivered when you and I did the shows this weekend. He's going to be the number one pick. Jacksonville Jaguars, that's what they're going to do. We heard Trent Balke say some interesting things, and we talked about it a lot this weekend. Nobody's calling me. I wonder now, are these smoke screens? Because now Trevon Walker mm -hmm. is the favorite to go number one overall, and uh, we're seeing that now. At over $2. That's how much the market has shifted here in the last 48 hours. We started to see some gradual movement on Walker, I think, over the last week, week and a half. Like, small movement. Yeah. Nothing as drastic as, Whoa. obviously, that we saw yesterday, where he's now minus two and a quarter is the favorite. But... I think the more people like talked about Hutchinson, he got tagged with the safe pick moniker yeah. that like, oh, we love his motor or whatnot. And that's like the translation for we don't think he's athletic as the other guys. And then I think people started to work, look at, at Walker because he led the team in quarterback hurries, that Georgia Bulldog defense that was, you know, one of the best defenses in like the last decade, at least right. in college football, 36 quarterback hurries did tie for the lead, only had six sacks, but Keep in mind, as you're looking at all of these mock drafts, there's a guy by the name of Jermaine Johnson, the second oh, out of Florida State, yeah. who transferred to Florida State because he couldn't beat out a guy like Trayvon Walker <laughs> and to get more playing time. And Johnson may be as high as a top 10 pick in this draft. So right. it's like, well, if this guy's a top 10 pick and he couldn't beat out this guy, maybe this guy's pretty good. So you look, and I'm not necessarily surprised. You could kind of see it coming. I don't know if I saw it as pronounced as a move as we saw yesterday, but that's how fast wow. draft markets can move because now everybody has them up because there are a lot of books that were waiting until Monday, especially here in Las Vegas to go ahead and put these up and then they're going to take them down Wednesday night because of the gaming rule. They got to take them down 24 hours before the draft starts. So you basically got a day and a half to get your draft bets in if you have not done so here in Las Vegas. But anyway, back to Trayvon Walker. I think when you look at it, they're going on on the athleticism and on the talent and they're going on potential because there's always that debate, Dave, do you draft on potential or do you draft on production? And I think clearly this is a little bit more potential than production. Not that Walker wasn't productive, but he was also playing with, the, you know, other guys that are probably going to go in the first round like N'Kobe Dean right. and, you know, guys that are either going to be current first rounders or maybe future first rounders for next year or two years down the line. Uh, Kirby Smart's got some dudes down there in Athens as they try to defend that national championship. You know, it's interesting, and I, I hope you listen and, and watch uh, me and, and Mike Pritchard here every Wednesday on the Lombardi line because Pritch said last week was something I found very interesting. The game is now played on the edges, mm -hmm. right? So, look, offensive tackles, you, you need all those guys. We're not disparaging some of the other positions. But this is his point about the edge rushers here and wide receivers, right? It's kind of played on the edges. 
with a big fight on the outside. You got to get the quarterback. Quarterback's got to get the football out, and you got to live in space. And that's where edge rusher, uh, edge rushers live. When you see these top two, you got to think now if Aiden Hutchinson goes two, and right now he is the small favorite to be the second overall pick, minus a dollar fifteen. The report is the line's going to run up to the commissioner and put that pick in if it's Aiden Hutchinson. And so this feels like that would be the mini end of the edge rushers right. at one and two. Well, right? because Houston's going to be interesting. That's because right. Because I think that, and we talked about that with Eric Edholm of uh, Yahoo Sports on Sunday, and he's like, this is the most interesting team in the upper part of the draft that nobody's talking about because I believe they have three and 13. So you look, you've been hearing that Lovey Smith kind of likes the corners in this draft, and that those are all the only couple draft bets I have. I don't have near as many as a lot of guys do on the network. It's just... I don't really delve as much in the draft betting maybe as they do, mm -hmm. but I have been betting the corners and I followed the lead on a lot of these corner props under sauce Gardner under, or uh, Derek Stingley jr. From LSU sure. him on the under here. So, you know, there's a talk that lovey Smith may draft one of those. And that was my logic a couple week a weeks ago where I felt like a fool where it's like, I think Kayvon Thibodeau may go over five and a half. And clearly the money has been on the under and most of the action has been on the under Cause I thought, okay, Texans grab corner. Are the jets going to grab edge or are they going to give some help to Zach Wilson? Because I thought maybe Garrett Wilson could go high at number four there. And then offensive line could get drafted. And then of course you get down to number six with Carolina. So we shall see, but I think Jacksonville, maybe Trent Balky was sending out a smoke screen mm -hmm. there where it's like, okay, we've got our guy targeted. And even if they didn't, every general manager is going to say, we got our guy. They're not going to make the stake, mistake that Herb made last year no. where it's like, well, we kind of wanted Kadarius Tony, but he got drafted. So we settled for Travis Etienne. <laughs> Basically, I'm paraphrasing. And it is amazing when you look at that draft board and you see multiple teams with multiple picks, that does give those teams flexibility. Right. For these positions that we're talking about. So, like, I know you're starting at home probably thinking, well, how do we get to seven wide receivers? Well, once the run starts and this is what we mean by these mini runs. Mm -hmm. Right. We're expecting now at edge to be one and two when those corners go those top two corners. Right. Probably going to go in the top ten, arguably. Well, there's four of your six spots right there and no quarterbacks have been selected under this mock scenario that we have here. So then you have to think about teams that are in play. And some of those teams with multiple picks, if a team gets jumpy and they want to get a quarterback, whoever that might be, Malik, Malik Willis, maybe we're guessing with the first quarterback taken, that's when those phone calls happen. And they go, hey, we want to trade up because you've got multiple picks anyway, so you can just move on back down, still get your you know, X right. wide receiver right. or, or offensive tackle or whatever it might be, best available at that spot, and we'll jump up for the quarterback. It's when the first trade happens or the first quarterback gets selected. I think that's when this draft really goes into chaotic mode. And Wes, it feels like it's going to be chaos on Thursday. No, I, I agree. I don't know if we're going to see as many of the projected trades at the top of the draft as we are, I think, as we get into like the back half of the top 10 or maybe even 11 through 20. That's, I think, we're going we're gonna to see most of the trades in this draft. And uh, another thing, I talk about the cliche that you always hear in the draft, we got our guy. Yeah. There's also another cliche. We stay true to our board and whatnot because everybody's board is going to be different. I got a guy number seven that you got at number 16. So not everybody values guys and grades out guys the same way, and, and that's what's going to determine uh, – I look, though, at the top of this draft, and I don't think there's a guy that's like, oh, if you miss on him, you're getting fired in two years. Okay. Like, I don't see that necessarily in this draft. That's why we've had four different guys go, you know, potentially the favorite in the betting odds is right. the number one pick. What do we have? Evan Neal. Then we had Hutchinson. We had Thibodeau, or not Thibodeau, uh, uh, Walker. We had somebody, obviously, before Evan Neal. That's how quick it changes. So there's not been one clear number one like we usually have, where it's usually a quarterback. There's no or it's consensus. Usually, yeah. you know, an offensive tackle or, or an edge rusher, somebody that's like clearly above the rest of the draft pool where everybody pretty much has that player number one on his board. You mentioned Lovey Smith, and we know Lovey, if you know his background, you know it's defense. And you mentioned the corners. The odds that uh, Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner, is the, is the third pick overall is plus $3. Well, what, what the interesting thing there is, the dominoes, right? If Walker goes one, then obviously he's off this board at plus 350. Then you're hearing like Derek Stingley Jr. Is Stingley as good 
as Sauce Gardner? Because there are some GMs that seem to like, and well, if you're going corner, it's got to be one of those two corners, either Stingley Jr. You or know, Gardner. A lot of that is about the injuries, and that's why Stingley kind of dropped off. Remember how good he was in 2019? Oh, he was almost like LSU's champ Bailey. They didn't want to throw really at was. him when they won the national title, and then he's battled injuries, but then he had his pro day and ran really well and looked very good in his workout, and it's like, okay, maybe those questions have been put to bed a little bit on Stingley Jr., but Gardner has been the guy, if they want to go maybe with the more recent production, you know, production versus potential, then they're going to maybe go with Gardner at that spot. I've seen Thibodeau there at number three, and he could go there in some mocks. And I hate to even say this because I don't know, but that gets put out there about, oh, is there character issues? You know, does this guy really oh, want to play? Does he bring it necessarily every snap? And won't that get out there, you know? it kind of becomes a perception perception maybe becomes reality to some of these teams. And with the team like Houston uh, with uh, Easterby and that company, you know, they've made a lot of players mad in terms of, you know, how they've conducted business. Sure. Does Houston seem like the team that wants to take somebody that potentially has those issues? I say potentially quote unquote, covering my butt here. Don't want to put anything out there. It's not true, No. but that's why I think maybe Thibodeau slips under number three and you get one of the corners. Here. And again, it's not just uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. There's also reports about that. We'll get into it about Matt Corral later on in the program as well. Come on back. Will Hill will join us next on the other side. It's the Lombardi line on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. If you thought there was a sports betting offseason, think again. Our VEASAN sports betting experts are working 24-7 to keep you informed on every sport on the schedule. The over pays the same for a baseball game or a football championship, and our team grinds year-round to help improve your betting IQ on every sport. We have experts in baseball, tennis, soccer, golf, NASCAR, and horse racing. Turn this offseason into a winning season and start your free trial today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Before you place your next bet, visit vcin.com for all the latest data and powerful betting tools. Start with our live odds, team comparisons, and previews for every game on the schedule. Then dive deeper with live tracking of betting trends and line movements. And don't miss our unique tools, including odds comparisons from sportsbooks across the country, prop bet search engine, and custom parlay calculator. Everything you need to increase your betting knowledge and confidence is at your fingertips. Visit vcin.com today. If you didn't catch the Lombardi line, here's what you missed. Trent Alke, the head of the, the Jacksonville personnel department, the general manager, uh, really favors Walker. Length, athleticism, unique skill set, right? Didn't have only had nine sacks in 29, nine and a half sacks in 29 games, but he does have a unique skill set. And that skill set projects forward, much like he drafted Armstead and Buckner in, in San Francisco that projected forward. And I think ultimately... The front office, the, the ownership, the Khan family, Tony and Shaw, maybe they they wanted Hutchinson. And through the process, I think they've concluded that maybe Walker's the guy. Now, I don't think Doug Peterson really cares one way or the other. I think he's kind of just worried about the offense. But I get the sense that, that, that with these numbers moving, we saw this last year with uh, Trey Lance when his numbers jumped up on draft day, that, that obviously somebody knew something. The Lombardi Line, weekdays at noon Eastern, weekends at 10 a.m. Eastern on VEASAN. The Sports Betting Network. There's a clear-cut favorite to be the first cornerback selected in this year's NFL draft, but how high could he go? Hey, it's Femi Abebefe from VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Since the start of the draft process, one cornerback has stood above the rest, and that's Cincinnati's Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Gardner is a heavy minus 450 favorite to be the first cornerback selected in the draft. In fact, some mock drafts think Gardner could be in play as high as pick two to the Detroit Lions. Now, over at DraftKings, Sauce's draft position is set at five and a half with minus 115 juice each way. Gardner's ascension was quite the surprise because before the college football season started, most mock drafts favored LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr. to be the top cover guy in the class. Visit vcin.com to get current odds, listen for free, Find Showtimes and download VSIN Sports Betting Podcast. Check out the new betting splits feature on VSIN.com before you place your next bet. Every day we post the latest splits with the percentage of bets and money on teams and total for each game. Track which teams are seeing the most tickets written and if the public action matches the money coming in on those games, give yourself an edge. 
betting splits, plus live odds, line moves, power ratings, and game analysis makes VEASAN.com the place to visit before you place your next bet. That's VSIN.com. Before you place your next bet, visit vsin.com for all the latest data and powerful betting tools. Start with our live odds, team comparisons, and previews for every game on the schedule. Then dive deeper with live tracking of betting trends and line movements. And don't miss our unique tools, including odds comparisons from sportsbooks across the country, prop bet search engine, and custom parlay calculator. Everything you need to increase your betting knowledge and confidence is at your fingertips. Visit vsin.com today. Discover BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Sign up today and win $200 if you place a $10 wager on any NBA playoff game and either team hits a three-pointer regardless of your bet's outcome. Simply use the bonus code VEASAN200 when you place your first bet to take advantage of this offer. Enjoy the playoffs more than ever with BetMGM. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is not which all free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside West Reynolds. We are here at South Point Casino in fabulous Las Vegas. I am by the script. I have to say fabulous Las mm-hmm. Vegas because we're hosting the NFL draft. So it's going to be a wild 48 hours here. The NBA playoffs are getting a little bit wilder maybe than we anticipated. A couple of game fives tonight with those series tied at five. One could end this evening. Here to help break it all down, our recent contributor from Point Spread Weekly and a guy you got to follow on Twitter at not the Will Hill. He is, of course, the Will Hill. Will, let's get right to it with the NBA tonight. Is it over in Miami? Because the ATL, they put up a nice, great comeback to get this thing what we thought could be a competitive uh, game four, and then it really was not as Miami gets that win and takes command in home home court again. Three to one lead. Does it end tonight in Miami? Certainly feels like it will. This is one where I'm actually comfortable laying the number. I mean, that was a complete no show by the Hawks and by Young on Sunday. I mean, we've given Durant, uh, you know, grief for his performance. I think rightfully so. But Trey Young, he carries himself like he's one of the better players in the league. You know, All NBA guy. Uh, boy, he he went down without a fight on Sunday. You're not really competing, not really shooting the ball. Uh, to me, Miami's the much more complete team, the much better team. Uh, I would expect Miami to win and probably cover this number and, and, and win pretty comfortably tonight. Yeah, I, I think that this line has moved at least early on in the direction of Atlanta. Maybe it's zigzag because we know <laughs> betters bet that, even right. though it's proven to be basically like 50% over time. But also the fact P.J. Tucker questionable, Kyle Lowry questionable. But to Will's point about, about Trey Young, 16 and a half points a game in this series, 32.1% from the floor, averaging six turnovers a game. Hey. Atlanta just has no answer, really. They just can't score against this Miami team. Even though the pace has been pretty good, they can't score, especially in the half court. Like, all Atlanta can do is run. That's that's the only way that they can win. They have to go transition in this series yeah. because in the half court, they just haven't been there. Of course, we know Lou Williams has been out. Clint mm-hmm. Capella has been out. I believe he is still listed as questionable. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for me to get with the Hawks, even though the market is saying, you know, maybe they're live here down to six and a half. You know, well, here's the thing about this, and it's one of the more fascinating stats and runs we've ever seen. If Atlanta loses, they don't cover any numbers as underdogs. If, yeah. if they lose – the, the the whoever the favorite team is, they're covering the number against the ATL. So again, to your point here, if you like Miami to win, it's been a, a literally a season long stat that Atlanta, if they lose, they're not covering whatever number you might give them right now at six and a half. Yeah, it's like DiMaggio's hit streak. It's just, it's unbelievable. It, it, like you said, they, they lose, they cover, they go hand in hand. It's unbelievable. So let's see if that, again, so if you like Atlanta, that means it would win the game outright, and the six and a half points really wouldn't come into play tonight. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, very quickly, gentlemen, you mentioned the pace here, Wes. 217 is what we're seeing now, Will. Do you think that Miami slows it down again and kind of stifles Atlanta's uh, half-court offense, or do you think the Hawks can at least get out and run if you want to back the over here at 217? 
Yeah, I'd probably lean towards the under just because especially without Lowry, I think that's less transition opportunities for mm. Miami. He really orchestrates the transition offense and that's really a flaw for Atlanta, their transition defense. But I think without Lowry, uh, you probably see less of that. So probably a, a slight lean here to the under. Well, one of the more entertaining series clearly here in the first round has been uh, Minnesota and Memphis. Yeah. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns uh, did show up big after, hey, a poor there we ga- go. after a poor game three. He was right there in game four. But it feels like watching this series, even though it's two and two, Cat has to be like Joel Embiid type numbers here for this team to stay in the game, even though Edwards gives you production. But this Minnesota team so young and so erratic and getting another young and erratic team in the Memphis Grizzlies. So now back down to uh, Grind City tonight. Memphis, I believe, laying six and a half market consensus. Yeah, I'm going to grab the points. I just I thought coming in this series was number than was closer than the number might indicate. You know, it was like a minus 350 favorite for Memphis. Game one was like a seven, seven and a half point spread. To me, these two teams are relatively close. I mean, we're not that far away from Minnesota being up three one in this series. I know you can kind of do that with all these games, all these series, but boy, this series has just been too weird, too close. I mean, we're dealing with you know meltdowns, comebacks, a million free throws. Uh, I would lean towards Minnesota. I actually bet Minnesota plus the six and a half. I think we're looking at probably a close game, maybe a little bit of a slower pace here, 231 and a half in a pivotal game five, maybe the under and a high total is the way to go. This is a little bit of a weird game because it feels like a Memphis spot, but it feels like the number is way too high at six. It's almost like, shouldn't this be maybe like four and a half or something like that? And we talked about the high variance between Carl Anthony towns. Uh, Minnesota's only averaged 107.3 points per 100 possessions in four games. And a lot of it has been because of cat when he's over 20 points, two and zero straight up in ATS when he's not Oh, and two on both sides, the other two games, I think he had a combined 23 points and committed 10,009 turnovers, but also this is going to determine, I think, with uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., because he is somebody that needs to stay on the floor. No he has been getting in foul trouble really all the time. When he's on the floor, Minnesota only shooting 38% overall, 35% from the three, but he fouled out a game four. He's averaging five fouls a game in this series. This was a guy that a lot of people got at good odds for defensive player of the year, certainly was a contender, didn't end up winning the award. That went to smart, but... It depends on how this is going to be officiating in this uh, high variance series between Minnesota and Memphis. And John Morant gets most improved player, which was a bit of a question mark when he yeah. was pretty damn good last year. Yeah, I guess he sucked last <laughs> year, right? I just didn't get that. And Desmond Bain, his teammate, he tried to give the award to Desmond Bain. Uh, it went viral on social media. It was pretty interesting, but we'll see how that plays out. But I'm kind of with you, Will. I feel like tonight, game five for two young teams. They're going to start to feel a little bit of pressure. I just feel like that total might be a little bit too high in a high-stakes game here. So I'm kind of leaning towards that under as well. The Pellies against the Suns is an interesting one for me, gentlemen, because obviously ever since game two, and remember we did this show a week ago, and after game one, you could have gotten New Orleans 14-1 to to win the series just after one game. And then Devin Booker goes down. They lose game two, lose home court. Now, they do resecure home court by getting one win in the Smoothie Center uh, back there in New Orleans. But now 2-2 back to the Valley of the Sun, six and a half. What do you make of the number? And what do you make of the game, Will? I like New Orleans plus the points. You know, I would think New Orleans, uh, Phoenix probably finds a way to win the game and probably win the series, but boy, it's not going to be easy. This New Orleans team is pretty good. You look at them from a three and 16 start. They've really played really well since. And if they had McCollum the whole season, I mean, this is probably a, you know, a 40 something win team. I don't know if they could flirt with 50, but they can shoot. They've got, you know, athleticism wings everywhere between Ingram and Herb Jones, who was just uh, a steal. And I think the 35th pick in the draft, Alvarado, we all know from Georgia Tech, is just the ultimate pest defensively. They've given Phoenix a lot of trouble. Phoenix hasn't shot the ball well. Phoenix hasn't defended well. To me, this is going to be another close game. I, you know, I, I think Phoenix probably wins, but I think the six and a half is a little rich. I like the the Pelicans here. Yeah, I'm with Will here. It's not very often that you see somebody get under Chris Paul's skin. Oh, he does. And Jose Alvarado does. definitely did. And look, I like the animosity too. It's like, okay, the opponent's going to help you up off the floor. And I'm like, nah, man, my boy's got it. You know, the guy in my color jersey is going to help me up. But I think what we've seen here, and credit Willie Green, who's a very young coach, a former player, obviously, mm-hmm. in this league. But He's gone to the small lineup and it's worked and it's absolutely worked. They've did, you know, they put Larry Nance jr. At center and they've been a lot more athletic and uh, have been able to really hang and, and really beat Phoenix at that game. And 
Much has been made, I think, Chris Paul, you know, the stat line with Alvarado getting under his skin, two of eight shooting only four points. But I think it's Phoenix when they don't have Chris Paul on the floor in game three and game four, I believe they are minus 11. Ooh. So they just really don't operate that well. So it's like this guy that's an older player, still obviously very effective, has to play bulk minutes for it seems like for this team to stay in games. And now you got a New Orleans team that's got a little confidence oh, and got a, got a chip on their shoulder. And it's like, they don't care. They give zero you-know-what, yep. as they say. So, uh, yeah, I think this is a little bit inflated. Uh, I may want to buy it up to the key number at seven uh, because I do think that that's a key number. But six and a half, pretty much market-wide. I'd be with Will on the Pelicans. All right, we got about 60 seconds to go. you got to listen to the New York City cast. I know the body's not even cold yet. The autopsy's being performed on the Brooklyn Nets. Who's the biggest villain right now in New York City? Is it Kyrie? Is it KD? Or is it Ben Simmons? I think there's the, you, you could do the blame pie and just give everyone you could throw Nash in there. Nash, I don't think did a great job. I'm shocked he didn't bring up the Mets though. What a win that was I, last night. But like you said, I said to Matt Sanchez, our producer, I said I might sneak in the Mets. Well, if we don't lose, it, we please. were seeing if we could go an entire I know, show. Tried to, but I was gonna say we if we don't lose that game last night in St. Louis, we're not losing the rest of the year, will right? That's a game the Mets always are on the other side of. To win that, it just feels like a different team with the Mets. A little little Mets magic on. Absolutely. You got to check him out on the New York City cast here on VEASAN. Will, always appreciate the time, my friend. I will catch up with you again soon. All right, see you guys. There he is. Follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. You know, we mentioned when we come back after a short break, we mentioned sometimes those rumor mills in the NFL. It's not good rumors. We'll talk about Matt Corral specifically. Come on back. 